0: Love talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It is Tuesday, September 12th. It's just about 2 p.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. Thank you so much for joining me today. Just a few moments, my guest is going to join us. She is with a company called Antidote. And we've partnered together to make clinical trials more accessible to you, in essence, finding a clinical trial more accessible for you. A couple quick updates before we welcome our guest. I posted information about our respite program that will be available at the National Caregiving Conference. So on November 10th and 11th, when you come to the conference, you can bring your caree. We have programs available on November 10th and November 11th that will provide socialization and activities for your caree. We're not providing care. You can still do that. So, for instance, you dispense meds. You help your caree to the bathroom. We're there to provide socialization and activities. So while you're in the conference sessions, your caree is engaged with our activities in the respite room. You can register yourself and your caree beginning today for the conference and for the respite program. So if you go to caregiving.com, you'll see the green menu bar, just hover over NCC17, and then click on register, and then you'll find information. There's also information about our respite room when you go to caregiving.com. You'll see the headline, respite at NCC17. I'm so grateful to our art therapists, our music therapists, and our dance therapist who will provide these engaging activities in the respite room for carees. And just a heads up, we have a limited number of availability in the respite room, so we can manage 10 carees on Friday and 30 on Saturday. So if this is something that you'd like to take advantage of, I'd encourage you to register as soon as possible. Something else for you to, to do before you do pull the trigger on registering is take a look at the agenda in the respite room and really think about would this be something that your Carrie would enjoy, would be able to be engaged with, and just use your best judgment as to whether or not it's a good idea. We do have other resources to help you find help, so that your carry has care while you come to the conference. So you can find information about that too in our registration area. So, respite is an option for you. And we posted about it today. Oh, I'm so relieved to have that done and taken care of. And I'm excited about the program. And I feel like this is really a great way for us to launch it this year. And that, as with all things, the first year is always, let's see how it goes. Next year we'll have a down pat. They'll be like, I don't know what it'll be like, but But we'll have it down. We'll have figured it out. Okay. And just a reminder that our Caregiving Art Show opened on Sunday. So be sure to stop by caregiving.com and visit our art show. So our artists are those who currently care for a family member or previously cared for a family member. And I love to show off their art, their creative, creative side. And this is the seventh year that we've done a caregiving art show. So you can visit the art show and then vote for your favorite. The artist who receives the most votes does win 50 bucks. And just a reminder that our artists also help us raise money for our caregivers program. So when our artists entered their pieces, they paid an entrance fee. And that helps us raise money for caregivers. And you probably are aware of our Caregivers Program. We try, when we can, to send $500 to a family caregiver in need. And I was able to do that just within the past two weeks. One of our bloggers was having really a terrible time. Just one incident after another where you think, oh, really? (laughs) So she's trying to manage her new job Manage caring for her mom, which is new for her. Her mom just moved in within the past three or four months. Maybe it's been longer. Maybe it was in the spring. And, you know, she's had some dental work and then she needed more dental work and then the rent is due. You know how it is. You just think there's not enough to go around. What can I do? So she posted a blog post saying, I don't know what to do. I was able to respond and say, Hey, I can send you $500. And so that's what I was able to do that very morning because through your donations, we keep our Caregifters Fund full. So the art show is another way for us to do that. So thank you to the artists, not only for helping keep our Caregifters Fund full, but also for sharing your art. You're going to love this year's art show. You're going to love it. Okay, those are the updates for you. So joining me this Did afternoon is... Yes. Yep. I just, I'm just bringing you on live. Yep. Hi, Grace. How are you? Good. I'm great. How are you? Good. So let me tell you a little bit about Grace McElroy. She is our guest this afternoon, and she works for a company called Antidote. And the company had contacted me a few weeks ago, and I was so excited to be connected with them. So they have an easier way for you to find clinical trials, in your community. And we know that when a family member re- receives a diagnosis, like, like Alzheimer's, you think, oh my gosh, what can we do? And so through antidote, you can actually do much because you can find a clinical trial in your area and then you and your caree can participate. And we know that the cure for diseases like Alzheimer's are gonna come from clinical trials. So before Grace joined Antidote, she was the um oh gosh, she has a great bio. She um oh gosh. <sighs> before Antidote, Grace led partnerships at TED Med, the health and medicine edition of the world famous TED Conference. So Grace, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: I'm so pleased to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So tell us about your, your interest in
0: working with clinical trials. How, how did you find antidote? What happened that led you to them, and, and why clinical trials?
1: Um, so, yeah, so at, at TEDMED, one of the things that um, we did so effectively was convening people from different, uh, all different di- disciplines to get together and kind of try to tackle some of the big issues in health and medicine. And every year we would convene um, a conference. Um, I was always in, in Washington, D.C. at the Kennedy Center, where um, among some of the big thought leaders from, you know, from uh, all different aspects of, of the industry, of, of government, we also would bring in a uh, uh, startups, uh, innovators, people who are disruptors, people who are coming up with ideas that hadn't yet been tested that were trying to kind of crack into or crack apart uh, some of the gnarly issues in healthcare. And I wasn't really that aware of clinical trials um, because, you know, the problem with clinical trials is, you know, most people don't know about clinical trials, and what they do know about clinical trials is pretty pejorative. Um, you know, words, terms like guinea pig and lab rats and all the rest of it. So it wasn't really on, on the top of my mind, but when I met um, our CEO, Pablo Greiber, who came from, again, was kind of a Ted Medish story or Ted story, kind of outside of the industry, he came from Kayak. And um, so he, you know, understood search really well. Um, and gotten, um, he gotten, he created this uh, company based on a, a myriad, uh, Issues um, or, or interests, I should say, um, trying to see what he could do next with, you know, meta search, and uh, coming to coming to, you know, the conclusion that clinical trials was a huge issue. You know, 85% of patients who actually could use clinical trials um, don't even know that they exist, and the ones that do don't know how to search through them for them, etc. So when I when I met Pablo, um, I. He just he was so much in this same sort of um, space of the TED Med kind of startup disruptor that I thought, you know, I've been at TED Med for four years. It was a great experience. I met amazing people, but uh, I wanted to be part of the solutions, I'm not just convening great people, but actually trying to be part of the solution. So I've been here for over two years, and it's been a fantastic experience.
0: Grace, are you on a speakerphone by chance?
1: I'm on a um uh, I'm uh yeah. It's, a, it's one of those what are they called? Um because
0: it's, if it's, there's any chance. Yeah, if there's any chance I try? you could just just talk in your headset or a, or a handset, there's just a little echo behind you. So, Grace, you're also you also come to this this company from the perspective of having been a patient. So, tell us about your experience when you were a teen as a patient.
1: Sure, um, I was a I was in high school and I was uh, you know completely unaware, as most people were. Or, completely taken by surprise when I learned that um, an ovarian cyst that I had was malignant and um, it kind of started me on a very, very long journey. I had um, ovarian cancer um, at senior year of high school. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, I took away from it was um, it was the first time actually that my twin sister and I were, were extremely close it was the first time that we were separated and in a meaningful way, um, and and you know my being in the hospital and Julie being at home, uh, it was very difficult for her. And my parents were 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 separated at the time. So a lot of the caregiving really fell to my sister. and it was it was extremely difficult. And over the years, I, I was lucky enough to, Get through it. I had an amazing uh, oncologist, and, um, and uh, she was she was she was really interested in different approaches to this disease for someone who was as young as I was. Apparently, it's not as rare as it was when I was a kid. Um, but she, because of her curiosity and and compassion, I was able to save um, an ovary, and I actually have a daughter. So. That was a um, an amazing, you know, amazing experience to be able to to do that. But it was um, it continues to be a uh, a struggle for me because the the I guess the uh, side effects of the surgeries were you know they continue to cause problems. I'm you know I've been hospitalized several times over the last few years um, because of those surgeries. And so I've been really thrown into this this uh, healthcare crisis as a as a as a young kid, and it doesn't never ceases to amaze me um, how crazy and complicated it is. But the caregivers that I've had have been extraordinary, um, the nurses and, and the, um, the people who've been around them. Have just made the journey a, a lot better for me, so I've been lucky in that regard. And of course, I having a daughter has was a unexpected and and miraculous I consider a miraculous uh, event.
0: Yeah, it, you know, we um, sometimes curse the healthcare system because it can feel like it gets in the way, it makes things harder. It can feel like red tape, and yet, boy, there are blessings in the healthcare system where oh, my gosh, and you are an example of that, where the right doctors, the right treatments really gave you not only life, but possibilities and opportunities.
1: Absolutely. And I was, um, before I was in TEDMED, for eight years, I was a publisher for regional health and lifestyle magazines in the metropolitan area of New York. And um, one of the other... Arms of the company was publishing um, uh, more trade-oriented magazines for the medical professions, and one of the, one of the titles was for OBGYN um, professionals. And um, my oncologist, I was walking through the office one day and I just kind of walked by some of the titles that were up on the wall, and I saw that she had written something for this particular publication. And I emailed her. She had her an email. She was no longer at the same um, hospital that uh, where I was treated. And I emailed her, thinking maybe she remembered me. You know, I mean, well, I was with her for five years and this and that. But it was a while, and she she did. And she wrote me back a a, a beautiful email, um, citing some you know personal things in my life at the time. And I was so moved. I wept at my at my desk because it was just it was. It was such a human experience. And sometimes when you're in this world of uh, healthcare, that can be tested. And I was so happy that I had that uh, kind of end to our relationship. Um, she remembered me, and she's meant so much to, to, to my life, my family. At the time, it was a, obviously a very difficult thing for us to go through, but it was a, a, uh, an, amazing, an amazing email. I have to tell you, so yeah, she's a wonderful woman. Yeah, it's the
0: human touch that makes the difference, and
1: the other part that makes
0: the difference are clinical trials. And in the past, it's been difficult to find clinical trials. There is a govern a government sponsored website where you can go and search, but it's cranky. <laughs> it, <Yeah>. it squeaks. <laughs> You have to use the foot pedal to get it to go. So you guys came up with a solution to that. You figured out a way to make it easier to find a clinical trial. So can you tell us a little bit about the process that someone goes through when they go through the search um, on your your site to find a clinical trial?
1: Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I guess if you were going to – Kind of bucket all of the the, the, the um, focuses of of this company. Finding, understanding, and connecting patients and caregivers to clinical trials is pretty much the three tenets of the of the organization. So we built a platform that aggregates and structures all clinical trials in the in the public domain, so that patients and caregivers can easily find tri- and connect to trials. Um, it's it's obviously Difficult to find or search for a clinical trial, um, it can be incredibly difficult. But, you know, and part of that difficulty lies in language, um, the other lies in data or technology. So I can talk about language in a minute, but um, in terms of the technology, when you go to the government site, clinicaltrials.gov, which is, you know, the de facto research tool, Um, and more and more uh, people are going to clinicaltrials.gov. Just a little um, fact that as of last February, the clinicaltrials.gov received an average of 199 million page views per month and 76,000 unique uh, visitors daily. So more and more people are going to that site. It was meant for researchers. It wasn't meant for patients, but increasingly, Patients who are going online for uh, health information as, you know, their main source um, are going to clinicaltrials.gov. So they're searching for trials. The problem is when, in order to get into a clinical trial, you have, you know, to meet the inclusion and exclusion criteria, and that criteria is in free form text. So basically, a researcher cuts and pastes out of their protocol into clinicaltrials.gov, and rendering that data um, unsearchable. So what we've done is we have taken on this massive task of going in and structuring the eligibility criteria. In essence, what we've done is we've um, we've translated that free text eligibility criteria into a structured format, which we express in the form of questions, so that in a matter of Seconds, minutes, um, a patient or a caregiver can drill down into hundreds or more trials, and actually find trials that the patient can match to. So it's um, it, it was a it, it continues to be um, a huge undertaking, but um, we have structured the eligibility criteria across um, multiple conditions, um, including. Um, Alzheimer's uh, and dementia. So if you go on our site or any of our partner sites, you can quickly and easily search for Alzheimer's and dementia studies by answering a few questions.
0: Do you have any idea how many clinical trials are part of your site right now?
1: So we uh, we. Currently, our main data source is clinicaltrials.gov, so any open trial that's in clinicaltrials.gov will be um, in our search tool, and we update that data um, nightly so that, you know, anything that's new comes into our system. So um, it's based on, you know, what the research is, uh, what research is available, and then it will, will be part of our search tool.
0: So do you have a number? Do you know how many clinical trials there are
1: right now? I don't have the latest number. Um, I think there. I I would ra- um, let me not let me not That's answer. Okay. It's it's yeah. It's it's um, it's tens of thousands of trials across conditions. Okay. So, yeah,
0: yeah. I was yeah. I was thinking. Gosh, that figure must be just immense. And I think that you as a patient, you know, you don't have the idea of the scope of the number. Of clinical trials, and that's part of the problem too. Because when you search on clinicaltrials.gov, it's hard to really figure out. Well, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there are any. But what you've done is made it so that, of those hundreds of thousands, you can find a clinical trial that that matches to your pet, pa- the patient, the diagnosis, and it's in your community.
1: Exactly. So, so we are we we ask. When we when you start the search, we ask what condition are you searching for, and then where are you located? Because you know, obviously, tra- you know, traveling to a trial is of con- you know concern, especially in this condition of Alzheimer's, where um, it's it's pretty much standard where the um, the trial will involve not just the patient but also a study partner. So a caregiver has to also uh, you know raise their hand to be part of this. Research, and the proximity to the site is obviously a concern uh, for for a caregiver. Is it twenty miles away? Is it more than twenty miles away? Um, those are things that that are that are important, um, and so we can drill down also around um, you know their your interest in travel. yeah. One, of, one, of, one, one of, the of the other things that I wanted just to hit hit upon if if you don't mind um i okay. I referenced language as a problem, and so you know education on clinical trials obviously is a, is a major issue. people don't know about them. what they do know about them is wrong. I was just on the phone with one of our partners who is a um, who has stage four lung cancer. He's a major patient advocate, and one of the things he he just you know touched upon was Clinical trials, or they are, you know, equivalent to a hail mary pass, as he as he put it. And of course, that's not the case. You don't. It doesn't have to be the last um, resort. And most people don't know the kind of the kind of um, care that you get is world class when you're in a clinical trial. Um, so there's the education part, and that's one of the things that we do. We work with our partners like you to kind of get messages out there so that people understand what clinical trials are, what's expected, um, you know, and, and also share experiences like the one you know, the one of the uh, the partner that I just mentioned. But the other one is language, and one of the things that we've done is we've, we've built a, um, a platform for researchers. We call it Antidote Bridge, where researchers can freely go in and add information that's not in the public domain. So if you were thinking about um, your, say you're entering into a clinical trial for your mother, you want to know what's going to happen to her. You don't want to wait until you get to the site to find out, for example, that there are shots instead of pills when you know that your mother is deathly afraid of needles. So how can we get The industry to start putting in information that's important to um, to patients and caregivers. How many are there overnight stays? Is there a placebo? Um, You know, shots, pills, other procedures, MRIs, etc. What is an MRI? Like giving information that patients need to be armed with before they actually get to a site, so that we give all the information up front and they can make a reason. You know, an intelligent um, decision about whether or not they're interested in, you know, participating in a clinical trial. So that's a, that's a big part. It re, it re, we can't do it. We, it requires uh, industry researchers to go in and adopt this platform. Again, it's free, it doesn't take much, um, but it's, you know, understanding what a clinical trial is. And, and, you know, the language and, you know, basically what is going to happen to me or my loved one, these are things that we need to fix because it doesn't, it it only puts up barriers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think what, what you're explaining to us is that clinical trials often are so research focused that the language is helpful to the researcher, when really we need language that's helpful to the participant and that family member who is helping the participant because, their life is going to be involved in a clinical trial, and it's important to understand what that commitment is, what that experience is like, so you can really make a good decision about whether or not it's a good decision and it's the right decision for you.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, the vast just, majority of clinical trials, you know, they require a scientific or a medical degree at times to grasp exactly, you yeah, know, what, right. what's the subject. So, you know, we want to we want to change that.
0: I want to I mention mean, that at we, our Nash. Nation- oh, I just want to mention that. No, I just said patients nation-
1: deserve better. Patients you know, patients and their caregivers deserve better. And there there are ways to express these trials by adding more information and also changing some of the language, the titles of the trials, um, the objective of the trials so that lay people can understand what what they're entering into. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And at our National Caregiving Conference, one of our panel discussions is about clinical trials. And so we have Eli Lilly, one of our clinical trial companies here in Chicago, has a um, the president of that company will be joining the panel discussion. We also have a patient, a young man who participates in clinical t- trials around type one diabetes. And he's gonna share his perspective and his experience because when we're caring for someone, and we think a clinical trial, really? He's going to tell us what it's like for him and why it's so important to him. It really gives him a sense of hope and that he is making a difference for others because he is really actively participating in trying to find the cure and the treatment that in, a, in all hopefulness eliminates type 1 diabetes. I also want right. to mention that if you are on caregiving.com, you can actually search for a clinical trial. So on the green menu bar that appears on any page, if you hover over community, you'll see find a clinical trial. Just click on that, and then you'll be able to search for a clinical trial that's right for you and your caree. So, Grace, we just have a couple minutes left. What last thoughts would you like to share with our listeners?
1: Um, Last thoughts are just, you know, um, sharing, you know, I would say that even if you're not 100% sure about participation in a clinical trial for yourself or a loved one, that searching for a clinical trial, um, understanding more about what clinical trials are, both, you know, in terms of a a disease or you can be a healthy volunteer even, that we're never going to get to cures for diseases like Alzheimer's, for example, um, if people don't participate. And not, you know, people in general, but also women and um, minorities are not well represented um, in the past in clinical trials. So especially, you know, when you look at the, the the drugs that are currently out in the market, some of them are made for you know for men, um, and then when women are taking them, they're they're considered little men, so they take less of the dosage, and that's actually not accurate. We're not little men, <laughs> we are we are women. So, in order to get to cures, um, we need more participation, and so I just would encourage people to to just search and learn and. Um, read up, up about uh, what's going on in terms of research and see if there's an opportunity to participate and then to be to share in the ecosystem, because if we're not going to be part of it, we're never going to get to cures.
0: Excellent. That was perfect. So, Grace McElroy, thank you so much for joining us today. And I just want to give was- the website address for the company that Grace works for, which is antidote.me. And, again, you can find a clinical trial on caregiving.com. Just hover over Community and then click on Find a Clinical Trial. Thank you so much, Grace.
1: Thank you. It was a real pleasure.
0: And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.